You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards, who is wearing a vest, <laughs> especially for the occasion. He's got his guns out, he's in Mexico City. How's it going over there, Micah? Oh, it is fantastic. I'm loving it. The weather is about 20 odd degrees and I'm loving life. Got a little bit of an itch on my head there, just showing the guns there. I don't know if you can yeah, see the guns there. Look at the size of those guns, man. <laughs> By the way, look at the size of your tits as well. <laughs> <laughs> can you kindly keep those under your vest, uh, Michael? No real desire to see them at, at this point in time. Um, so... Can you share, spread any light on um, what's going on? What kind of madness you're up to out there? So, yes, as we talked about before, we did the first part of the Mexico trip, went to Mexico City. This time we're in Guadalajara. And today's task is the Mexican hat dance. So, do you know that song? <laughs> so we'll be learning a bit of that today, I think. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, it yeah. should be fun. Are you doing it with the Sinaloa cartel? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. I've got to be careful what I say. They might be listening. Very careful. <laughs> Are you oh, sure you. you're not just in Peckham or somewhere like that? No, <laughs> you're sure you're in Mexico. <laughs> Uh, Peckham City. Yeah. Peckham City. It's a, it's a lovely place. Um, we've got lots of questions again, and, and and thank you, everyone. We hit 10 million downloads this week, chaps. Amazing. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for uh, your love and uh, support of the podcast, and um, also for sending any questions. As always, we'll try and get through 
as many as we possibly can. Here's a question to start from Mark McElroy. Uh, love the show as always, lads. Uh, thank you very much. My question is, would you rather score a hat-trick and lose the game or not score and win the game? <laughs> <laughs> you two take this. Yeah, you um, two, you know, you know, what, you well, know what this is. Obviously, after the match, you would say, um, I would much sooner win the game, but inside... <laughs> if it's a if it's a cup final, Gary, you'd rather take the win, wouldn't you? Correct. Take the it medal. Depends if it's like a game. league game, give me a fucking hat trick all day and lose the game, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strikers, it's it's like an it's like an individual sport amidst a team game. Um, little, probably a bit like goalkeeping, I would imagine. But you know, if you score three goals, then it, it ain't your fault, is it? <laughs> if you don't win, <laughs> and if you score, and if you score three goals, there's not many games you're going to lose. No, that's right. It's annoying though, as strikers, isn't it? It's a, it's annoying as strikers. Basically, you can do nothing all game, uh, and then don't give get me that one, Micah. In the 85th minute, and all of a sudden you're the hero. Us muggins at the back doing all the, the hard yards. Why did you Lock think? Why did block. you think I lasted a month before my thirty-sixth fucking birthday? <laughs> For five years, I couldn't run, but I just managed to score goals. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly think, even now, if I played in a Man City team, I think playing up top, I reckon I could score ten goals a season just by lying down on the edge of the six-yard box. <laughs> yeah. Being serious though, you're right. And yeah, in, honestly, yeah. in that in that Man City team, yeah. I think we'd pull a hamstring though. We'd Alex. definitely pull a hamstring <laughs> or a calf. Yeah, definitely. Um, but if we didn't, then you could without doubt score 15 yeah. goals a season. Yeah, I, I reckon so. Dean Ami asks, "Do you think the World Cup should be played every two years?" No. It Ooh. is what it is because it's every four years and it's unique and special. Do you think that though? Because the the Champions League is special and that's every year. I would say I would love it every two years for a football perspective because there's nothing better than watching and either playing or watching or broadcasting a World Cup. But at some point they have to think about um, not just play welfare, but also I think probably the climate because, you, you know, flying everywhere, it's all on private jets and, you know, we have to look after a future a little bit. I'm actually with Alan on this. No, it's so prestigious because it's every four years. You wait for the build-up, you, you, you play your way that season, you give everything for that season because you're going to do something. If you do it every two years, it's going to take that that special feeling away. So I'm with Alan on this. Every four years is perfect. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it would take um, that special feeling away. The only thing I would say in playing devil's advocate against you two is that for so many players, they might only ever have maybe one chance of playing a World Cup and they perhaps get injured in that moment. And it, you know, you could, it gives them an opportunity to play in World Cups. But yeah. I know what you mean, but I love a summer when there's a major tournament. I love a summer when there's mm. a major tournament, covering it, watching it. and the, the, Although I do quite like a, a summer off as well, which is quite nice occasionally. I mean, everyone says they've won, I mean, they've won the big one. And I think that everyone, it's the big one because it's every four years. 
Um, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have won it, which is not many people, then then that's why it is called the the, the big and the special one because it's it is every four years, and it's yeah. I, I think it would take something away from it. Yep, fair enough. Let's move on. Um, one from Ross Beach. What I'd love to know is if you all could have played for any other team in England, uh, who would it be? And why? Sunderland for me, because I'd have got them fucking relegated again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Micah? The Arsenal. The Arsenal. Imagine playing under Wenger at Highbury with Thierry Henry and Bergkamp, Youngberg, Perez, Vieira, Ashley Cole, uh, Tony Adams... Seaman, imagine me in that team. No, you'd I never get in it, Micah. I think I don't know. I was. It reminded me yesterday. I was up at um, up in Manchester for for Sir Bobby Charlton's funeral, um, um, which was a lovely send off to the great man. And it made me. You know, there were so many greats there um, players from yesteryear of, of Manchester United that's the one club I'd, I'd kind of had two opportunities to join them I was once when Ron Atkinson was manager but I went to Everton instead you got to remember that Man United weren't that dominant in those days it was like the and and the second time was when I went to Spurs and um, Sir Alex was in charge of Manchester United but it was still good three four years before he started to have any, any success. But it just made me feel a bit yesterday. And they also gave me a lovely send-off, which I've talked about before in my last ever game in English football. So I'll perhaps say Manchester United. You turn Sir Alex down, you fucking idiot. What idiot does that? <laughs> I, well, I can't think of anyone, Alan. <laughs> you thought you were the first. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Yeah, well, I've got one from uh, Jim Southall. Um, hi, guys. Loving the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Alan and Gary, you both played under Sir Bobby Robson. What was he like as a man? And do you have any stories about him that you could share with us? Cheers, Jim. Oh, so where do we where do we start with that one? Actually, I was speaking to my mate the other day, and um, when Bobby had his book out. He, my mate queued up for hours to to get it signed because you you know you signed the copies and what have you. And um, my mate rang me up. He said, "Al," he said, "Is there any possibility I could get this book back to you to get it signed again?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I, I queued for like two hours and to to get to the front of the queue." And I said to to Bobby, "Are you not fed up?" I said, "There's like hundreds of people out there and the queue's massive." He says, and he signed my book to Gary. Best wishes, Bobby. Hundreds. <laughs> So I had to get his book back off him and get oh, it no. to get it back book back signed to Gary Best, which is Bobby <laughs> Robson. It's like <laughs> that, that, is, that is so Bobby. He's yeah. easily distracted. I, I I remember we did um I don't know whether you were doing the show, but it's quite a few years ago, so possibly not. And he was actually a, a guest on on a live game or something that we did somewhere. And it, we were in the studio, you know, like we do. We potter around a little bit before we actually go on air, a bit of rehearsal, stuff like that. And, and, and Bobby came in, um, suited and booted, and he came in he, and he started chatting. Then he's gone, lads, lads, I've lost my, I've lost my phone. I can't find it anywhere. Could, um, could anyone? So we all start all looking around the studio, looking here and there and the, everywhere. And I said, well, do you want me to ring it? He went, good idea. Yeah, so anyway, so I get my phone out and I got his number, called him. So he stood there 
<laughs> and and we can hear it ringing. We can hear the phone ringing, and it's inside his jacket pocket. So he, I swear this is true. I mean, <laughs> he picks the phone out and he goes, "Hello," and I went, "Hello," and he went, "Can you call me back? I'm looking for my phone." <laughs> I swear that is true. There'll be witnesses that, that, that were there for it. It was, oh, oh, honestly, so, we all cracked so up. So classic. Oh, brilliant. Man. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save some others for, for future episodes. Yeah. But there are, there <laughs> are lots of things that like that. Um, that's one of the reasons we probably loved him so much. Absolutely. But before we move on, before, before we move on, he said some fantastic things about me as well. Oh, well, we should hear about those. I think he said something like... Uh, Richards is going to be one of the best defenders England's ever produced. Well, that's mad because he's normally quite accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tear him up for you, Gary. Yeah, the new Beardsley. Joe Bav asks, assuming Micah is in defence and you and Alan are up top, can you agree on a keeper and a midfielder to make up your dream five-a-side team? Whoa. Keep up the good work, gents. I'm enjoying listening on the way to and from work. Thank you, Joe. Um, so we've got a midfielder and a, and a keeper. Gerard and Schmeichel. Mm-hmm. That's pretty tasty. Not bad. Whoa. I'm going to put Maradona in there because he kind of played a little bit. He was a very forward-thinking midfield player, but... He was. A, he wasn't an. He wasn't a forward particularly. He was. So I'm going to go Diego, even though he was a ten, obviously. Yeah. And what goal- about someone like Zidane? Though Zidane. Well, yeah. Five aside. Good mm. shout. Goalkeeper. I'm going to go with my hero, Peter Shilton, because I, you know, he was my. He was my hero. And he, at his prime, he was unbelievable. So good. Um, but Micah, goalie. I'll, I'll probably go with Alan with Schmeichel as well, just because. Because I work with him and he's getting offended if I don't put anyone else in. <laughs> look after my friend. Oh, <laughs> fuck off, we're going Schultz then. Go on, get it. Yes. Yes, Micah. Uh, Mark Orton. Did any of you guys have nightmares, dreams about football matches? And if so, how ridiculous were they? I still have them occasionally. Me too. Yeah, it's really weird. You know what mine is? I used to have one where the ball was like um, coming across and I could connect with the ball, but the, it, for some reason the ball wouldn't cross the line. And oh, you I've know had when that. I've I couldn't, had that. I couldn't get, I just couldn't get to the ball. I just there's something holding me back, and it was like it's your lack of ability. It would wake me up in a sweat. <laughs> It's like, honestly, I was thinking, thank fuck for that. It's a dream. And well, I, I, always, I had them quite regular. Yeah. yeah. Or it's a nightmare. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd, I'd kind of, that, that similar ones where I could, just couldn't get the ball in, in, in the goal. My other yeah. one was getting my kit on ready for the match and being late on the pitch, which was, I couldn't, like shin pads wouldn't fit or couldn't get the boots on or stuff like that. I thought you were going to say you couldn't get the top over your head because of really? your fucking lugs. <laughs> I was I was in top form today. Um, yeah, and then the other one, the other one that I now get sometimes, and I know this, this sounds a little bit weird, but I, I, occasionally I get a dream I've been brought in. It doesn't apply now because Harry Kane's run away with things, but I used to get this occasional dream where I'm pulled up 
into the England squad and given a game against someone like San Marino so that I can beat Bobby Charlton's record. <laughs> and, and I still can't do it. And it's like... <laughs> God, it's mad, isn't it? Do you have any bad dreams, oh, Micah? No, I don't have any dreams of that. I, I think he's having one now with that fucking vest on. <laughs> <laughs> I dream about women. I don't dream about football. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, um, if you could change one rule in football, what would it be? Uh, mine would be free kicks, corners, throw-ins, etc. can be taken at any point. No need to wait for the whistle. Um, that That is actually the one I would do. I, and I say that you should allow quick free kicks because at the moment the punishment is against the f- team that gets fouled. Um, you should be allowed to take it quickly and I think you should be allowed to take it to yourself. And I think that would make the game quicker. Wouldn't have to wait for everyone to get back behind the ball and da da da. It's always a minute or two wait, isn't it? Anything? The handball one for me. I'll just make it so simple. Get rid of all the shit, natural, unnatural, proximity, high hand, all of that crap and go back to what it was when it was pretty simple. Handball or not. Yeah. Yeah. Micah? I'm going to go VAR. Scrap it. All right. Get rid of it. Yeah. Let's go back to the good old days when the referee makes a decision and you get on with it. I would keep goal line technology, but the yeah. VAR intervention, it's got to go. I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going down that point myself now. And I, I was always an advocate for it. I just find it a very odd experience at, at the moment watching matches with, you can't really celebrate with any great confidence. Um it's 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 boring. You don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, they're not they're not going to back out now. There's been too much invested in it. I'm afraid. I think we're we're stuck with it. But it's it's kind of a form of of taking control of our game. And I thought it would be for the better. And I think obviously it will still be slightly fairer than perhaps the game was before. But there will still be mistakes anyway. So. Yeah, maybe. What do you think now, Alan? Because we were both quite... I would just get... I know it's easier, but I would get other people in to sit in the VAR hub. um, Do you think it would be better? I think it would be, yeah, because I think if you have people who understand the game more, played the game more... um, Because I think, I've told you before, it's a different skill set. I think sitting in that VAR hub, it's a different skill set to what when you're refereeing on a football pitch. Um, so I would I would get people in who who know the game a little bit more. Okay. On that note, uh, let's have a half time break. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and myself, Gary Lineker. Um, we're answering your questions and we've got one from Marcus Barry who asks, have you ever been at a club where a manager is losing the dressing room? Is it really possible for players to decide to get the manager sacked? Now, that is a very interesting question because it's one I've asked myself because I've never been, I mean, I've been part of a club where managers have lost their job, but I can't ever recall like players getting together and deciding, um, which is, is, is kind of what it intimates, isn't it? That mm. um, a manager is that players all get together and decide, go and see the president, the chairman or CEO, whatever he is, and say, we want him out. I'm not sure that, does that actually happen? Micah might know. He's got a little look on his face I can see there. <laughs> no, not by me. But I, I've been told it happens. I, I have oh. no evidence of that. Oh, okay. But the modern day players insinuate that it does happen. Oh, okay. I mean, how how would that transpire? Have you, I mean, it probably happened at Newcastle when you were manager, Alan. But 
And <laughs> it probably did, yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? Is that you, you, the, the complexities now of being a, a manager and like having to say the right things, having to do all the correct things. Um, I mean, I know, use, use two examples that have happened recently where Steven Gerrard went into Aston Villa, took the captaincy away, gave it to someone else. Ten Hag's gone into Manchester United away, took the captaincy away from... Which, I mean, it's a manager's prerogative to go in there. But what you have to also understand is you, that player that you're taking the captaincy off is also got four or five mates. His mates might mix with the wives, they might go out for lunch, they might go out for dinner on a Saturday night. Um, I mean, it, it happened in Newcastle with Rude. Um, oh, you got him out, didn't you? You got him out. No, he took the captaincy off Rob Lee and gave it to me. I was best mates with Rob Lee. He knew that, how could I say no? I'm not, I don't want the captaincy because I can't take it. I'm from Newcastle. I'd been brought back in, but he was taking the captaincy away from my best mate. So he sort of knew he knew what he was what what was going on and what was happening and what he was doing. But you, you still took it though, didn't well, you? I had you, to, didn't I didn't have a you didn't give a flying fuck about Rob yeah, Lee, did you? See you later, Just Rob. When the see you later. Thanks, came. pal. <laughs> Your old mates there, loyal. So I get, yeah, people. The managers can lose the dressing room and and the decisions that they make every single day, and you've got to make so many. Then it, it is it is very very di- particularly nowadays. Come on, Mikey, you've you, you've seen one or two managers leave. Yeah, but you, Alan's exactly right. So when we had Remy Gard coming to to Aston Villa, and I've spoke about the training sessions not being that great. But when you've got someone like Gabig Bonglaho, who's been there, he's a leading goal scorer all time for Aston Villa, and you pick on that one specific player, and he's loved by everyone in the changing room, that is going to have a massive effect. As a manager, you've got to play the game. Massage his ego a little bit. Yes, the manager should be able to make a decision, but you can't just come in after someone's been at a club for so long and basically just say, you're not part of my plans. That That's never going to happen. And what happens then, he starts being not great in the changing room in terms of, an example, like turning up for training late or... You, you you know, like putting stuff in other players' heads or this manager doesn't know what he's doing. Then it creates a bad atmosphere within the dressing room. And I'm not saying Gabby was a, a bad egg. He wasn't. He was just reacting off what how the manager was treating him. And once Gabby had gone, the rest of the dressing room was gone because he was the main person in that dressing room. And how did that come out how did it what happened did they did the did the players gather and then people surmise that they're not happy or do a group of players go and talk to the CEO the chairman so basically in in, in Gabby's case he was uh one of the senior pros in a, in a changing room along with myself along with Jolie and Lescott and we were all good good mates so then he would say to me, I'm not having this manager. He'd put doubt in my mind and then Jolien would be like, okay. And Jolien, he's he's very diplomatic. He would always say, okay, you might not like the manager, but just do your best you can do. But it was going through a time where we wasn't doing well. The changing room, if you're going through a difficult time on the pitch, in the dressing room, it needs to be amazing that, that you still need to look at your teammates and think, I can trust him and I'm going to go 
and give 100% for my teammate on, on the pitch. But soon as that happened, he would start speaking to the CEOs. He would start speaking to agents. Agents would start leaking stuff to the press and say, basically, uh, the manager doesn't know what to do in the, the the level of football is not required for the Premier League. And that's how it starts. And you've lost the player and then you've lost the dressing room as well because the main couple people in the dressing room are not happy. There you go. Good answer. Uh, more Azul. Uh, hi, Gary and Alan. Um, sorry, Mike, who doesn't mention you. Uh, given speed was in your locker, and it's definitely in your locker, Micah, uh, how do you go <laughs> against centre-backs with speed, which is obviously why he's doing this? Did you find it difficult? I'm thinking the likes of Paul McGrath in his prime. Uh, were there any that you thought had the uh, better for you when it came to speed? I used to hate playing against Paul McGrath. He was, he was quick and Brilliant. strong and aggressive. Mm. Um, he, was tough to, he was tough to play against. Alan? Yeah, you, I mean, you should know who you're playing against. And you, you, if you've done your homework and you always know someone's quick, not so quick, he's good at that, or he's not so good at that. So you always try and play on someone's weakness. But I think if, you, if your positioning's that good and you're that quick or you're, you have that much belief, then no, it didn't. It didn't I, didn't ever, I never thought, oh, I better not run him behind today because he's going to beat me for pace. I always thought, well, if I time my run good enough and the ball comes, I'm going to beat him anyway. Yeah, I thought that I thought the same thing, but I I much preferred it against the kind of you know your quintessential big tough yeah. centre half than mm. than I did the small quicker ones. Like although Paul McGraw wasn't small, but he was rapid. I remember that awful Pietro Vjekovo who <coughs> played for Italy. Just, he was nasty with it. <laughs> and Des Walker would probably be the uh, the the obvious one. I've got. Tell you about the the FA Cup. Um, we played in the final against Nottingham Forest for Tottenham in 1991. And whenever we played against Forest, um, Brian Clough would always put Des Walker on me, um, and literally man for man, which is quite quite rare uh, in the game generally. Um, so what I used to do, I used to kind of drift out wide and and it, and take him out of out of the centre, and I'd probably go and stand next to Stuart Pearce, which is a pretty stupid thing to do, but um, but it, it would occupy two of their best defenders um, whilst we could get Joy down the middle, and and over the seasons we did have quite a lot of um, success in that, but although for me it was a little bit boring because you know the chances of scoring goals were kind of fewer so um we played uh, before the fa cup final it's about three weeks to go before the end of the season we played a game at white hart lane against forest um and it was fairly meaningless because i think that both sides were middle of the table not much to play for and we went out on the pitch and i started playing and D des walker wasn't there he was playing but he wasn't marking me He'd put Steve Chettle on me. Now, Steve Chettle was a, you know, good, um, solid centre-half. Basically, he was shit. <laughs> well, he was bigger and slower than Des Walker. I mean, any, you know, you wouldn't compare anyone with Des Walker. There's no need to be rude. He had a very good career, Steve Chettle. But Stevie Kettle, as Bobby Robson called him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stevie Kettle. Sorry, carry on, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'm boiling over. And so... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I th I, I'm thinking to myself, I, I reckon Cluffy's trying an experiment here for the FA Cup final. That he's seeing if you know if 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 Jettle can cope. So 
it's genuinely true that it was the one game in the entirety of my career where I genuinely did not try a leg. I let him get in front of me. I let him win every ball. I right, didn't yeah. try and spin behind and all this. <laughs> and I, I, and um, so anyway, so three weeks later, four weeks later, whatever it was, FA Cup final at Wembley. The two teams are in the tunnel. And Des Walker looks over to me and he went, it worked. <laughs> and, I, and I thought to myself, mm, mm, does he Brilliant. mean what I hope he means? So anyway, the game starts and Steve Chettle's on me, not Des Walker, because obviously Cluffy's worried about the fact that when I take it out wide and we have a bit of joy down the middle. So anyway, first half starts. I had a absolutely flying in my game I was like turning him inside out I was getting behind I was I won a penalty I got brought down I got up and missed it well actually it was a, <laughs> it was a brilliant save uh, Mark, Mark Crossley <laughs> saved it who um, was the one and only goalkeeper to ever save a penalty from a certain Matt, Matt Letizia I believe yeah. so it was obviously right. nothing to do with me um, but anyway so it was it was a great save and <laughs> I then had a perfectly good goal disallowed. VAR would have turned it over. That was a good yard on side. There is evidence out there if you wish to go and see it. Um, but then they scored at the other end. They scored a free kick, um, despite the fact we batted. And we go in at one down at half time. Um, but we were playing well enough. We were the better team. And, and, and Terry Venables just said, just keep going, just keep going. So did the team meeting. We go out running down the tunnel. And I get a little tap on the shoulder. And I look around and it's Des Walker. And Des goes, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so he marked, he marked me for the rest of the game. I did my usual. I moved him about, took him out wide. And eventually we got a goal through the middle from um, Paul Stewart. Um, and then we won it in extra time with an own goal from Des, which was a header at court, which was a shame because... I'd, yeah, I'd much preferred if I'd have scored the goal. Um, but um, uh, but Des, Des was a great guy and um, a brilliant defender. And they used to sing that annoying song all the time when you played against him. You'll never beat Des Walker. Every <laughs> single game. Um, but- he used to sing that himself. Not himself, oh, no, the crowd. If you imagine singing that in your ear, you whispering in Gary's ear, you'll never <laughs> beat this walker. So there you have it. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> what right. a story that is. I like that. Yeah, 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 Des was great. Great guy. Uh, Richard Lee, with the bottom six in the Premier League, made up of the last six promoted teams. And the top four in the championship made up of the three that came down and the mighty Ipswich. He must be an Ipswich fan. Uh, is the gap becoming too big between the EFL and Premier League? And what could be done to level the playing field? I think we've talked about this once or twice, Alan, and we're in the office and stuff saying that that, I, I mean, most leagues around the world are, are probably like that to a degree, but the, there's so much money and power in the in the Premier League. Well, it is because once, you got, once you've been relegated, you've got the parachute payments that help you for the next three years, which if managed correctly should, in, by all accounts, get you back up. Um, and that's most of the, the time, uh, unless the club has really run rotten which that has happened to unfortunately some clubs and they're starting to go down leagues and go out of business and everything else um but yeah that that is that is the case um the problem you've got though guys is that if you 
there's so there's so many owners out there. There are really good owners and there are not so good owners. And there's a lot of not so good owners um, that the payments were sort of shared out more. Where's that money going to go? And that, that that's half the problem, you know, in the in the championship and lower down is that. I know everyone or a lot of people want to chase the dream and all football clubs want to get to the uh, to the Premier League. But if they had more money, would that money then be spent in the right way? I'm not sure you can guarantee that. Well, you can't guarantee it. No. no there's, there's no way you, you, you can guarantee that. I mean, although last season, of course, the three clubs that came up all stayed up. Yeah. Which um, is, is, is... so I suppose it's, it's, it's always going to be a... A problem is there anything that the game can do? Do you think to try and level the playing field, or do they want to? And don't you know the Premier League clubs? They have that voting structure, don't they? The way that is it? They have to get fourteen teams to change anything. Say you're coming from the Championship to the Premier League, and you can only spend what you earn. So if you're talking to someone like Ipswich and Man United, because they earn so much. The gulf is always going to be massive. So yes, what can we do? It's very hard, even if we bring in something like the independent regulator. So it's tough. I suppose in a way, that's what financial fair play is supposed to do. Yeah, but it also makes it impossible, almost impossible, to challenge the elite. You exactly. Can't, you, if you, you might get a club, Leicester, i.e. The miracle. Yeah, you might get the odd miracle every 50 years or so. But the laws and the rules now make it almost impossible to challenge the elite over a sustained period of time because you can't do it. You're not, it's not allowed. It's not physically possible. I've actually been chatting with Steve Parrish about coming on the pod and talking all things football. He's, he's, he articulates himself uh, really well. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll yeah. get him on very yeah. soon. He could explain uh, it better than we could. Yeah, well, it's 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 his world, very much his world. So I uh, absolutely. Got a question from Lee Gill. You didn't mention the Pablo Sarabia goal on Monday. Is it the goal of the season so far? If not, which goal is? Well, it was, certainly was a, a tremendous goal, the first touch and then the volley. Not sure about a goal of the season contender, but did you see it? Is it was it a Dingra on Sunday? The goal he scored for Brighton. Oh blimey, yeah, unbelievable goal. Yeah, that, that was, was amazing. One-two, the flick between the legs, and then the way he finished it off as well. I I think maybe that at the minute. I don't know, but that was a, it. Was, Sir Robbie's goal was a fantastic goal, the touch and the finish. Consider he'd only been on the pitch for two or three minutes as well. Micah, you think yeah, of any? I, I, I no, I think that was to be honest, Gary, just because of it, the the technique needed to score that goal. So when you, the ball comes over and you've got to lift the ball up, the natural reaction, and you guys talk better than me, but to when to control the ball is your first touch. So it's neat and tidy. So it hits the floor. But because I actually think he meant to keep the ball up mm. on his weaker foot and then finish with his favoured for, I just think altogether, if you ask 10 people to do that, maybe only a couple people could have done that. So I would say it's my goal of the season. So far. So far. So far. What about, I've got, I'll throw one in here into the mix. Um, another Brighton player, uh, Mitoma's solo effort. Mm -hmm. Remember he went wandering yeah. slalom through and 
and scored. Was that against? Was that against Wolves? I think you might I think be so. right. I think so. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was a great goal. It was yeah. a great goal. Yeah, yeah. but it's Brighton a bit again. early to be discussing goal of the season. <laughs> yes, but we like those sort of chats anyway. Gentlemen, let's call it a day. Um, Mike has got a meeting with the Sinaloa cartel about his night out tonight. Uh, and Alan, what are you up to? Not a lot, Gary. No, not golf. No, not, no golf trips? No, the golf trips. I'm playing golf tomorrow, though, um, oh. but mm, just locally. Well, I hope it doesn't You're rain. You're actually going to give your missus some time, are you? For once in your life. Oh, That's you, the last you, thing she wants, Mike. You, you have to spoil a good day, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, farewell, boys. Farewell. And um, goodbye, everybody. And um, thanks again um, for sending in your questions. They're much appreciated. Bye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers, all. <laughs>